Well, welcome. We're going to have a really awesome session tonight. Is we're actually going to uh, finish up this segment of the archetypal mind, and really, um, you'll you guys will have had a good introduction to the flow of consciousness, and then after uh, a couple of presentations later, then I'll return back and we'll keep working because this is um, pretty deep and we won't want to go too fast on it um, but it's also nice to have a break from my voice <laughs> so you guys can hear other uh, great presentations uh, we're gonna open up with a prayer and I will guide us this time and then I'm gonna ask someone to close us out at the end so maybe be opened opening to the, from the infinite creator to tap you if you'd like to offer that closing prayer. So we're going to center ourselves, breathe in deliberately and intentionally with gratitude for these bodies. Breathing out slowly, just take a few breaths to center, come here present. We're being present to each other. Ra says, as we will discuss, that the moment contains love right here and right now. And that love is the one infinite creator. And not only that, but the more and more we awaken to this love and open ourselves into it, we tap into the spiritual nature and from there we can connect, really connect, merge our energies one into the other in support of each other, in love and in solidarity. So just take a five seconds to really feel the presence of each other. You might see some colors, maybe green ray, maybe a different color. Feel your heart start to tickle or enkindle with a warmth. Our hearts are online, are, are online now. And now let us take this love and envision the earth. Just wrap this love around the earth that in our own small way, this building forth density, building forth our, our heart chakras, the green ray energy centers, this building and building through our intention to empower upon empowerment, green ray love around the earth, that we can have some sense of instrument or, or channel that we can be a channel to the planet. We ask that the infinite creator um, stimulate our throat chakras, our Blu-ray so we can maybe understand some of this material a little bit and ask the creator to help me to speak in a way that might be somewhat 
helpful for us. When I count from three to one, we can open our eyes. Three, two, one. All right, welcome. <clears throat> if you will recall, uh, last week we talked about the seven different archetypes of the mind. And you have it here in the screen. Um, so we have the choice of polarity, the one that we choose a polarity. That's archetype 22. And I have that connected with experience. The experience archetype, as we said, is kind of the reservoir of um, an archive of our different ways that we have shelved how we understand our, the catalysts that come into our lives. And of course, we have the archetype of the catalyst. Catalyst is, how, is, is the instrument by which we evolve. It's, it's the thing that gives us um, food for us to figure out what we're going to do as conscious beings in this third density. And Ross says, catalyst is that which assaults our senses. And not just our physical senses, but the senses of our um, spiritual lives, metaphysical senses as well. And the catalyst then uh, taps the potentiator. Potentiator being the archetype that um, starts to potentiate uh, action. So it's a building area. And... It's the first, it, it's the closest, or you might say it's what encompasses all of the unconscious, really. But at the very, I always envision at the very top of the um, iceberg, which I actually have here in my slide presentation in a minute, but the top of the iceberg could be the, maybe the potentiator in a sense that it takes all of the experience and the catalyst and then potentiates it into uh, slowly into kinetic energy, as it taps that matrix, and the matrix is the archetype of action. It's the archetype of conscious, the conscious mind. And it is tapped by the potentiator to do things in the world. But it doesn't do anything in the world unless it's sort of being told what to do by the significator. And the significator is the archetype of your and yours and mine a agency to decide what we're going to seek to what end and why. Um, so how are we using all of these experiences and catalysts? And then in our conscious mind, to what end are we going to create consciousness or sorry, create magic in the world? And magic simply is a change of consciousness. Uh, and <clears throat> what I had also shared is that the uh, well, because of, sorry, because of the polarity and the experience that continue to grow and grow, the significator is constantly thinking more and more as an adept starts to emerge in the spiritual seeker, the, a person becoming more spiritual and more spiritually focused, where they're measuring um, what, what the actions I'm about to do or the biases that I'm understanding my life how is that connected with the path that I've chosen, whether it's the positive polarity or the negative polarity? 
and I'm assuming everybody here is um, positive polarity. And uh, over time, what happens is we transform. Transformation would mean uh, moving forward, growing, developing, and not just developing in the mind, but developing a sense of um, uh, spiritual evolution, of moving forward, gaining more and more awareness of a holistic scene. And what Ross, I have, a, oh, yes. I have a comment here in the uh, Instagram for Law of One. Uh, they shared a quote of Kuo, not today but yesterday, uh -huh. in which the idea of transformation was semi-equated with initiation. So, transformation is a pretty general term in English, but Initiation sounds more like more like a uh, shamanic kind of uh, thing, or a, a cross experience, or a, a burning bush kind of experience that uh, kind of moves us forward in a, in a more of a major jump. Just wanted to throw that in. I think that's beautiful. Maybe initiation is a good word for that. And I think that we are initiated into different stages in our life. We, we sort of hit a new stage or a new room, and then we may plateau a little bit into that. And then we're initiated into the next stage if, if the evolution keeps moving forward. But I like initiation a lot. That's good. Yeah, thank you. Um, one of the things that Ross says is, the more we become conscious of this uh, spiritual, emotional, psychological evolution in our lives, the more we become aware that two things are driving this, and that is will and faith. The will to seek, the will to know, uh, the, the will to put into practice what we know, all of that is something that the significator is the, is the self that is meaning, uh, meaning making, uses more and more. The significator uses the will more and more, and, and as well as faith. And uh, we'll be talking directly about faith in the next two sessions um, with Sirach and Barbara. Uh, but faith is, Ross says, faith has its place in the sixth chakra, uh, but it's also the tool of the adept and one doesn't have to necessarily be a, a conscious you know high magical adept to use faith but it is when one is a, um, an adept one is using faith and i'm going to read just a couple of uh, raw quotes to get your juices flowing on the will and faith piece of that and then we're going to move into um, the next slide which will show how this all fits in with the chariot Okay. One of the first and most important pieces in all of the Law of One, I believe, I'm a little biased, but this is my opinion, is coming early on in the material from uh, session 10.14. And Ross says, and I quote, Exercise 1. The most nearly centered and usable exercise within your illusion complex. And that is the moment contains love. That is the lesson goal of this illusion or density. The exercise is to consciously seek that love in awareness 
in understanding distortions. The first attempt is the cornerstone. Upon this choosing rests the remainder of the life experience of an entity. The second seeking of love within the moment begins the addition. The third seeking powers the second, the fourth powering or doubling the third. And that's a pretty powerful statement that the moment contains love. And the more we try to seek with our faith and the will to seek this love that's contained right here, right now, um, builds upon itself. And it builds and builds into an inertia inside. And this is informing the experience archetype. It's certainly informed by the polarity that you choose. Um, and the catalysts begin to be all filtered through a bias uh, where a person begins to see in the moment, even sometimes difficult moments, that there are ways in which um, they can be, it, the moment is, can contain love that love is the infinite creator of the logos in that moment and we can consciously seek an awareness and try to understand from a holistic place what might be happening inside us as well as um, our other selves and the more you know counselors are kind of trained to do this without using all this fancy law of one language but that it would be something that counselors might even be trained to do is to try to seek what is going on inside the person the counselor as well as the other person but um, i think the idea here is that the more you seek the more powerful the will and faith become and the more that you will actually do what ra says and start to see a far seeing having a far seeing ability um, <clears throat> another one uh, that's important to read is session 4212 and Don asks what are the techniques of programming which the higher self uses to ensure that the desired lessons are learned or attempted by the third density self in our third density incarnational laboratory and Ra says I am Ra there is but there is but one technique for this growing or nurturing of will and faith and that is the focusing of attention. The attention span of those you call children is considered short, and the, the spiritual attention span of most of your peoples is that of a child. Thus, it is a matter of wishing to become able to collect one's attention and hold it upon the desired programming. When this, this, when continued, strengthens the will the entire activity can only occur when there exists faith that an outcome of this discipline is possible. So faith is this idea that something is happening, love counts, that my seeking means something. Um, and to then bring attention of our attention, bring intention to our attention. Or you could say it also to bring our attention into our intention. Either way works. The idea is to have a honed attention in the present moment to seek and to trust that, that the seeking and this loving that's happening in the moment 
is bearing fruit, will bear fruit. And that's that, that's that faculty of faith there. All right, um, moving into the next. <clears throat> this right here is my little way that I had showed you last week of like a chariot, um, chariot being drawn by the horses. And we have the experience, the catalyst, the potentiator, and the two leashes, that, that the reins are um, will and faith and that the charioteer is using will and faith to attach um, to the horses to draw forward. So it really is um, important to develop the faculties of will and faith. And this is the last archetype of the mind. The great way of the mind, Ra says, is uh, the last archetype, it's the seventh archetype of the mind. And it's a, a kind of a map of all of the archetypes, one through six, um, and in each person, it's um, it's 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 also it can register how, from a metaphysical standpoint, how every each individual person is using the archetypes. But that can be seen by somebody perhaps who can read auras, <laughs> which um, I sometimes see auras, but it's not a, a common thing for me. But anyways, the great way of the mind is um, a summary of all of the other archetypes and placed in a way that you can kind of see how they all interact. Now, <clears throat> this is what Ra has to say about the seventh archetype. And you can see here to the left that um, this is the actual tarot card, the archetype card for seven. Uh, the archetype number seven, the great way of the mind. So it is a chariot, uh, but it's facing you, facing us. And there's the wheels. You can see the wheels on the side. Um, and so what Ross says is the archetype seven is one difficult to enunciate. We may call it the path or the way or the great way of the mind. Its foundation is a reflection and substantial summary of archetypes one through six. One may also see the way of the mind as showing the kingdom or fruits of appropriate travel through the mind in that the mind continues to move as majestically through the material it conceives of as a chariot drawn by royal lions or steeds. So, it, the more that we are able to use the different archetypes um, consciously and more able to uh, move forward on our, our path, and we can start to see the kingdom or fruits of the appropriate travel through our mind. Uh, we're moving forward as if we're being drawn forward um, in this royal chariot. And I, I'm not sure if I have it here. Um, I might in the next slide or so. But uh, Ra does talk about, Ra asks Don, what is it that would connect the royal steeds to the charioteer? And um, it's not, Don, I don't think Don ever answers because Ra asked Don and Don never really answered that. Um, but I really feel it's the will and faith. And then I tossed it around to some people that I, that know the material pretty well and they had some some ideas that that might be true uh, <clears throat> so 
we're going to look at some kind of fun stuff here. And the idea is what to do when uh, the mind becomes too cluttered. So I told you last week that we were I was going to give you an exercise um, that's kind of an adept exercise. Because Ross says what adepts do is that they can actually learn how to call upon an archetype, to embody it, or to put it on like in energetic clothing, to become a certain archetype, to create uh, consciousness or white magic in a sense. Um, and you can do this for yourself or for somebody else. And honestly, the more you kind of get into the material, I feel like we often do this stuff anyways without even knowing it. Uh, so a lot of this might even be, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you might have that thought. But <clears throat> the person on the left, <laughs> you can see it might be feeling just totally full. Their mind is full of all of these thoughts and how do I make sense of all of this, um, which I appropriately put all my slides into one particular picture because sometimes I feel like uh, I feel this way all the time, actually, just full of these thoughts. And when that happens, when when you get your mind gets so, especially if you're really seeking hard um, to try, a per, maybe you're perplexed about something, and perplexity doesn't have to be a bad thing at all. Um, perplexity can be something that you enjoy doing but you just are having trouble it's like you, you follow a thought and it's like eureka i'm getting it and then all of a sudden all these other thoughts come in and they start to fit in perfectly on and then you start to lose the threads that originally uh drew you to this numinous moment and then your mind just gets filled and that's what happens to me at least a lot um so I've offered, uh, there's three different things that we can do in these different steps here. And the first one is to gain a proper perspective. We're going to talk about that here in the next slide. The second one is to reaffirm why you seek and to what end. So to gain a proper perspective and then to reaffirm why am I seeking this? What do I want to do with that? And once those are kind of clear, then we can work on calling upon a new mind. And uh, Ra alludes to this as a, an exercise of an adept putting on a new matrix. Remember, the matrix is the conscious mind, and that's what gets filled to the brim. So kind of like when a computer gets really full and it starts to slow down and you might have to do a hard reset or um, if you're like our house sometimes we have to unplug the plug from the um, the internet where the internet comes oh, I'm losing my mind what, what, what that is uh, my matrix is so full of <laughs> thoughts um, what is that called Router. thanks <laughs> the router yeah see you were like calling upon a new mind and that's magic I just said Give me the name and then you came on. So thanks, New Mind Matrix. Uh, mm -hmm. But anyways, the router and you have to pull it out and then wait 20 seconds and then push it back in. So that's kind of what we're doing with the New Mind. Um, Could I yeah. <clears throat> save it for later because I want to hear your 
your thoughts first, but I think there's some Pauline, some Paul terminology that fits in here real well. Well, you know what? Why don't you share? I think now would be a good time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul talked about <clears throat> putting on the new self. He called it, uh, uh, it says, reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. And then sin was the thing called the sarx, S-A-R-X in Greek, <clears throat> which basically meant your lower unconscious and shadow wounded self. He say, put that off and be the new self. Uh, and the new self is the Greek word for that. That part of the mind is the noose, N-O-U-S. And um, the noose, we are told, though it can be corrupted, but he says, you have the mind of Christ or the noose of Christ, according to Paul. So Paul was pretty savvy with regard to his psychology uh, and Christians have not been so savvy, but Paul had a few things together. That's yeah. all. Thank you. Um, what we're going to do now is I'm actually going to ask Diana. Uh, I just envisioned her voice being very beautiful for this. And she has such a love for the law of one material. This is directly, this is Ra's words. And really feel the words as Diana shares them. Um, Ra offered this kind of right in, in the heart of the archetypal material, which is really dense. And uh, it's almost like Ra wanted to say, all right, guys, this archetype stuff is interesting, but let's remember what's really important. So as the first step, we're going to gain a proper perspective. Okay, Diana. My son just walked in the door with three other friends, so pardon the background noise. Good timing. Okay, Ross says, we wish not to form that which may be considered by any mind-body-spirit complex to be a complete and infallible series of images. There is a substantial point to be made in this regard. We have been, with the questioner's aid, investigating the concept complexes of the great architecture of the archetypical mind. To more clearly grasp the nature, the process, and the purpose of the archetypes, Ra provided a series of concept complexes. In no way whatsoever should we, as humble messengers of the one infinite creator, wish to place before the consideration of any mind-body-spirit complex which seeks its evolution, the palest tint of the idea that these images are anything but a resource for working in the area of the development of the faith and the will. To put this into perspective, we must gaze then at the stunning mystery of the one infinite creator. The archetypical mind does not resolve any paradox or bring all into unity. This is not the property of any resource which is of the third density. Therefore, may we ask the student to look up from inward working and behold the glory, the might, the majesty, the mystery, and the peace of oneness. 
Let no consideration of bird or beast, darkness or light, shape or shadow keep any which seeks from the central consideration of unity. We are not messengers of the complex. We bring the message of unity. In this perspective only, may we affirm the value to the seeker of adepthood of the grasping, articulating, and use of this resource of the deep mind exemplified by the concept complexes of the archetypes. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? Um, I, I love this one sentence. Um, May we gaze then at the stunning mystery of the one infinite creator. And we ask the student to look up from inward working and behold the glory, the might, the majesty, the peace of oneness. Isn't that just great? So um, I would like to weigh in. I would like to ask people, if you don't mind, to weigh in with me a little bit. And how did that, how did that uh, touch you? Did any those words touch you in any kind of way? We have a discussion on um, Slack this week, I believe. Uh, I was, it was, came out of the discussion of Gordon, Jordan Peterson on the importance of practice. And um, to me, Ra is reminding us to do basically centering prayer or a kind of going to our still point at some point and returning to the glory of God in our still point and doing our quiet times like that or spending some time during the day or call it meditation, call it whatever you want. But but you got to keep going back to the still point. And uh, that's where all these opposites get integrated and the muddled mess gets sorted out. That's what came to my mind. That's beautiful. Yeah, we cannot force the paradoxes to come together. Um, We can't force ourselves to understand this material or understand the deeper things without surrounding the logic, the the diving into this with good silence of mind. Yeah. Um, Brandy, you had a question? Oh, I just had a comment. I was just... uh really a theme with a lot of clients is comfort um, within complexity and just making space for, uh, you know, so much discomfort and not understanding something, not comprehending something in um, comfort with the unknowing and confusion and complexity, especially because we want to whittle it away and make it real concrete. Um, and I, when Diana read that passage, it reminded me of the um, healing power of awe. Like we're okay with complexity when we go out into nature and we're taking in the mountains and the sky full of stars and the beautiful earth laid out before us. And suddenly the complexity becomes unity. And I thought that passage she read so perfectly talks about that. 
I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's that's brilliant. Um, anybody have a response or a thought to Brandy or your own thinking on this passage? Yeah. Um, so when we're dealing with the concepts of the law of one, especially with these archetypes and all of the stuff that might get us juiced up because it's interesting and it's beautiful and and whatnot these are indeed concepts and um, they can be fun but i think what brandy is also inviting us to remember if i'm understanding you correctly is that our lives can also be very difficult we can be going through something very difficult right now in your life in my life and um to develop some way in which to find comfort in the complexity of our lives in that way too is a way to maybe hard reset the matrix because we're going to stop for a moment to try to figure out exactly what's going on and what the next steps are. And often if we can create a space there of true silencing of the mind, um, we can do adept work without even actually calling it adept work just good psychological, spiritual work, to be honest. Uh, but it really can, then all of a sudden when we're ready, thoughts will come back into us, but they'll be automatically sort of ordered a lot better in ways that we can understand. Because um, that's, that's kind of how it all works. So thank you for sharing that, Brandy. Yeah. Okay, really good. Good, good, good. Um, moving on to the next one. Um, this is reaffirm. And remember and reaffirm your chosen polarity. What do you seek and to what end? What do you seek? What do I seek and to what end? So just stating it can be helpful. When we're, our mind is so full of the complexity of our lives and we're trying to force something that's not forcible, <laughs> Maybe just allowing us to say out loud what we seek, clarity maybe. But anyways, one thing that helps me when I'm doing this kind of spiritual work that's really development of the Blu-ray chakra um, is to reaffirm my own path. And I, sometimes I'll say it out loud like unity, union, communion to be an instrument or a channel. Love light, light love. Sometimes just saying these words as a way to remind myself what I am seeking and to what end. Calling upon a new mind. Ra says, I am Ra. The conscious mind of the adept may be full to bursting of the most abstruse and unmanageable of ideas, so that further ideation becomes impossible and work in blue-ray or indigo is blocked through overactivation. It is then that the adept would call upon the new mind, untouched and virgin and dwell within the archetype of the new and unblemished mind without bias, without polarity, full of the magic of the logos. 
full of the magic of the logos. One way to maybe see this is that the logos is infinite potential, infinite fullness, infinite plenum, being without doing. There's a part of the logos that's being without doing. And so it can be uh, the word that keeps coming to me when I think about this particular piece from Ra is this idea of release, of self-emptying. In the Christian tradition, we call this kenosis. That may, may be a, an unfamiliar word, kenosis, self-emptying. And of course, the Eastern uh, traditions have this, they, they do this very well, this idea of releasing. And that can be hard to do because when you're in the moment and you want to figure something out and you feel like you have to, you just have to figure this out and, and your mind is tricking yourself by the more I focus and the more intention I have to figure this thing out, this life that I'm going through or this problem that I'm working on, this metaphysical stuff, the more I seek it, I want to know it right now. And, it, and so your mind will, like I said, play a trick on you to actually keep almost intensifying that um, angst, this sense of urgency. And what Ra says is that that actually is counterproductive. So the adept at that point would stop, again, gain the perspective, the stunning mystery of the one infinite creator, the stunning mystery of union, communion, and, un and unity. And then to call upon a new mind. Now, I'm assuming it would be different for each person on how you might embody that. Um, but what I would like to do right now, since we have such a, a great group of lots of wisdom folks here, is, is there anybody, um, could anybody offer something that works for you? Is, is there something that you can do or you have done to empty your mind of the moment to really delve into that as Troy says that still point what can that still point be does anybody have um, a, something that's worked for you okay Gwen um, I found that if I consciously release any tension anger frustration bitterness anything like that that seems to be uh, keeping me from experiencing the, the one true uh, light and then I welcome all the beauty and the light and the love um, that is around and within me so it's a release and a welcome and that that seems to kind of prepare my heart and mind for whatever it is I need to focus on. A releasing and a welcoming. That's, that's a beautiful two, two words there. And notice, notice what's happening, however, from a will and faith perspective. Remember we talked about how the importance of will and faith is for the, the spiritual path, will and faith. Um, to empty oneself to surrender uh, 
the way that Gwen was talking about is not a weakness. It's, it's actually a huge intentional use of will to will ourselves open to the moment <laughs> to will ourselves to release is incredibly powerful and we tr we have the faith that it's going to do something and if you've never done it before that can be kind of weird because your mind is going to be saying no you need to think about this issue more just if you think about it even more, then you'll get the answer. And what we're saying here is to will a surrender and then to welcome what comes in. And that's also a willing to welcome what comes in because and it's our faith that is not only saying my surrender is bearing fruit, is going to bear fruit, but my welcoming whatever is coming in, even if I don't feel it in the moment, is itself an act of faith. Because something is coming in simply because I have, I have the faith that it will. <laughs> and I'm willing myself to surrender for that openness, and then I'm having the faith that the, and welcoming something to come in and move inside me I don't know when it might happen. It might happen instantly. It might happen later on. But that is how the one infinite creator um, gets inside us. Or you might say it a different way, how we actually put on um, a new mind so that we can start to process some of the stuff um, in a way that is more aligned with our chosen polarity and aligned with our goals, um, which if we're on the positive path, then we ask to be an instrument of the one infinite creator. You see, so this really does go hand in hand with all different kinds of spiritual traditions. Does, it, does anybody have um, something else they'd like to offer as we're talking about this putting on a new mind? Yeah, Diana? I think part of calming the mind is just physical or physiological. For me, just doing some sort of rote, repetitive motion to get my body distracted and in a comfortable state can sometimes really help me to calm my thoughts. Um, I like to, I'm kind of, I've been doing it, but I, sometimes I just like rock um, or um, do something with running water, like wash the dishes, something that just my body knows by heart. I know Gwen walks on a treadmill and gets a lot of inspiration there, right, Gwen? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, like, there's this idea of getting to the new mind by becoming very meditative still. But then you think about artists and creators who are in this peak flow experience and their, their hands are going and their bodies are going and they're creating some sort of output the whole time and more is coming and more is coming and i suppose i've had experiences like that but i don't really know how to generate them except to be doing what i feel very aligned with that brings me joy um then sometimes just i feel like a clean slate and like ideas are just pouring into me um, but it's so different than sitting down and trying to become still and quiet, at least for me. So 
for what it's worth, I'm just sharing that. I second that, Diana, because I think getting back to your senses, getting back into your body, and for me, sometimes aerobic activity will will absolutely be a reboot and a reset for my mind to just feel like it's downloading incredible, not only higher vibrational emotions, but just uh, some real insight and creativity. Um, One other little angle on receptivity and release, uh, our sexual instincts can help us with this. For in one sense, we're all feminine toward God. And uh, we're, we open ourselves like a woman to a man. And um, there can be really some usefulness in inviting those instincts and being with God in that way. Um, it's kind of fun too. So like inviting the feminine principle to kind of rise up within you, take the lead? Yes. Yeah, that would, that's, a, that's a great way to say that. The feminine principle, uh, we are indeed all, in a sense, the feminine principle when we're asking to be channels of the one infinite creator. Um, but it's our masculine principle that allows, in a sense, the feminine principle to take, to take, to act to do that because it's our masculine principle of willing it open, willing it to happen, reaching out uh, for the hand, and then allowing it to come in. So we're all working with these different principles of energy, which is really beautiful. One of the things I wanted to ask uh, Brandy to share something you shared um, on our podcast that I loved was um, what you sometimes teach your clients on uh, if they have trauma, uh, what they might be able to do with ice, <laughs> bag of ice. Could you share that? Because I think that could be a good way to, to uh, do a pause button. Oh, well that was specific to anger, like an anger releasing techniques. Um, since it's such a high energy emotion, is that what? you're referring to yeah yeah so just putting ice into a ziploc bag and stomping on it <laughs> um can be really um anger releasing for some people and it kind of burns through that cortisol or whatever the anger chemicals are pretty quickly because with anger it's amazing if you do something physically it can really burn through those chemicals so that you can kind of return to yourself but as far as with trauma touching something really cold or holding something really cold can really bring you back to your senses and back to the present moment since trauma is kind of like a reliving of a previous experience so the purpose of ice would be to kind of shock you back into the present thank you yeah uh, and you know when Ra was giving this teaching let's say the Egyptians uh, these kinds of lessons that we're going over right now um, you know they they didn't have perhaps people didn't have the the tools that we have in counseling and psychology so a lot of what we're doing is kind of adept work 
if you're doing some of these activities and um, calling upon a new mind as we've talked about here it can be done in lots of different ways i think the probably the most important piece though whatever activity we do whether it's mental or meditative or kinesthetic would be to have the intention of calling upon the new mind to realize that we've gotten to a log jam in our mind that it that obsessing about it no longer is going to produce anything whether this is fun obsessions like i get into the law of one or other stuff too in our lives and that we can intentionally call upon the new mind do something that that creates that space that silence of mind that Ra talks about so much and then that we live into um, a new mind that is full of the magic of of the creator of the logos yeah very good thank you <clears throat> okay this is just another way to uh, conceive of the archetypes of the mind so you can see that it's an iceberg and at the very top of the iceberg the part that's sticking up out of the water we have the matrix and then the significator sits upon the matrix remember the significator takes what happens all below the water and as it as it comes up into the potentiator the potentiator funnels it and taps the matrix but it's the significator of the mind that makes decisions about what to do um, so what I have done is I have said the significator of mind and the matrix are of the conscious mind. Um, the unconscious mind, <clears throat> again, the way I envision it, I'm not saying it's the right way. It might be a way that can be helpful for you, is to see that here down at the bottom of the iceberg, um, maybe in the lower recesses of the mind, you've got the experience of mind archetype. Okay, and then above, and the, the, their, the experiences of mind archetype are uh, totally connected to the catalyst of mind archetype. Because it's the catalyst that feeds the experiences. Experiences get shelved, create biases. That creates another catalyst, which is then given to the catalyst, which then gives to the potentiator, and so on, and right up to the conscious mind. And it just keeps on cycling through. Uh, Ross says there's a lot of dynamic tension, dynamic action and interaction between these uh, five archetypes. Uh, and it's happening all the time. But um, this is kind of how I see the, uh, the different catalysts, I'm sorry, the different archetypes of mind from a, just a different perspective that might be helpful. The last thing we're going to talk about today, and then we'll stop here and have somebody pray for us to close this out, is something that we're going to jump into the next time. And that is looking at the spirit archetypes. For me, uh, again, I think another person who would be presenting on the archetypes would um, maybe do it differently. but how it has been inspiring to me is to study the flow of consciousness through the archetypes of the mind and then to study the 
flow of the spirit archetypes and how they interact with the archetypes of the mind to get an overall map. And then once you kind of have a map of where you're going to hold it conceptually together, then to kind of go inside and look at each archetype, because um, then it, it, it'll make a lot more sense. And that's something that um, has been helpful for me, and that's kind of how I'm presenting it here. But one of the things I wanted to share with you that I just leave with you with this, because I just think it's so beautiful. Again, on one hand, it's super simple, but on the other hand, it's neat to see this bearing out in the Law of One, where um, uh, Ra says that the significator owns a covenant with the spirit. What an interesting choice of words. You know, I mean, remember, Ra has access to a pretty high level language here. And they say at least three times in the material that they're choosing, their language is absolutely chosen to try to, new, to maximize the nuances of things that are presented so that each sentence itself, maybe even words at a time, can evoke a depth that may not even be present at first glance. But so I find it interesting that it is said here that the significator owns a covenant with the spirit. So just really briefly, does it, can, those of you who are have studied the Hebrew scriptures here, the Old Testament, can anybody think of the word covenant? Um, that uh, is like a promise? Uh, Noah uh, uh, is symbol of, of the covenant of not destroying the earth again, at least in this era, was, um, at least by flood, I guess, was uh, the rainbow. So not getting into a, a discussion about the historical accuracy of that particular biblical um, myth, what we could say is this, that <clears throat> the whole idea of the flood in Noah um, could be one way to look at how prior to the flood there was the earth that was seen and that would be kind of like what world the world was without the veil you know without the veil having the ability to see everything on the ground and then there was this incredible enclosure of water in the story water is obviously the the symbol of the unconscious you know we, we kind of see that in uh, Jungian archetype arch, archetypes we would have the water as being un, the symbol of unconscious so we have this huge amount of um, unconscious stuff coming over, veiling the earth. So it's almost like that's when the veil was put on, to you know, put into installation in third density. And what do we have sitting on top of this massive amount of water is this little bitty old conscious mind, <laughs> the ark, uh, going oh my god we are lost what the heck are we doing where are we going it's only faith lord what the heck and and it was like god said but i promise you i'm with you 
And here's a covenant with you. So even though you can't sense my presence and you're in the midst of a, a storm um, and you don't have access to the unconscious like you did, I'm giving you a covenant. It's a, so it's almost like the people, Noah was the significator and God saying, uh, look, you're going to own this. <laughs> I'm giving you the covenant of spirit to be able to understand everything through faith and will, and you own this. So keep this card close to you. Um, and what we get into a little bit later is how the, the, this aspect of, a, of an owning the covenant with the Spirit is a protection as well. So when we hone our will and hone our faith in one direction, it is an actual protective act that keeps our journey ever forward because we're putting out in the universe that we want to move forward in a, in a certain way. Okay. So we're going to talk my about very smart wife. My very smart wife just pointed out that the rainbow could have something to do with the chakras. Well, I think she's just, <laughs> you know, like you put, put those chakras in us to help guide us through this realm of, uh, even though it's unconscious, the chakras are there to guide this. Wow. Isn't that, that's gorgeous. You see, Gwen was your potentiator, Troy. You're the matrix and she just fed you that. And then you just, it wasn't your idea. You know, you just tapped on the mute button and then it came out. That's right. Thanks for exemplifying our little archetypes of the mind. Uh, beautiful, beautiful stuff, people. Um, anyways. Would there be anybody here that would like to offer a closing prayer? Let's just uh, close our eyes. Take a few deep breaths. Feeling blessed to share this time with each other. Mm. Today, we just want to thank the one infinite creator for the gift of life. No request, no complaints, just thankful to be alive. Help us each day to live as love. Amen. Amen. Here, here. Beautiful. May it be.